Nelson did it. Nelson did it. Nelson did it. The streak is over. Plus, the OGs have arrived. TJ's got stats on stats. A bonfire leads to a lot of romance and a lot of roommates being kept awake all night long. Olivia masterminds a plan, but lets Nelson take the credit for it. And Kim doesn't even break a sweat in one of the hardest to watch eliminations that I can remember. It's the challenge ride or dies episode four recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me tonight to recap episode four, Ride or Dies, or as we will talk about kind of almost episode one, episode zero, it feels like this was the end of the preliminary stage of this season of Ride or Dies. We will get to that and everything else that we normally do when recapping a season episode here in just one moment before we dive in. couple quick programming notes. First and foremost, the rewatch series went on a brief pause starting this week instead of diving into Ride season 21 and beyond we decided since we had hit the big round milestone number of season 20 and since it was such a clean break a uh, transition a different era of the show we decided why not celebrate these first 20 seasons a little bit more there's so much we covered them in depth but we could cover them even more even better celebrate what needs to be celebrated one more time so the rewatch recap mini series commenced on Monday, a six podcast rewatch recap mini series covering the first 20 episodes, 20 episodes, 20 seasons, one final time, the best of the best, everything we've talked about from season one to season 20, going back through it all, naming the best of the best. We started on this past Monday. The last episode in this feed was all about defining the eras of the challenge and naming the top five male, female, and overall casts of the first 20. 20 seasons this Friday. We will be ranking those 20 seasons one through 20 with some updates from what those grades were as we did the rewatch episodes next week and the week after we will have more coverage, best daily challenges, best eliminations, best MVPs, and of course, best quotes and moments from the first 20 seasons. The rewatch recap mini series, one episode in five more to go. And then we will hopefully immediately after that, or sometime after that, get back because obviously we got the best all-time seasons to talk about here soon with rivals exes so on and so forth that's the biggest one Wednesday night, Thursday mornings, that's your ride or die recaps. What you're listening to now, you'll be listening to hopefully every single week this season of Ride or Dies. And then on Saturday mornings over on the most likely two podcast feed, I'm on with Paige every single week, breaking down Survivor. This Saturday, we'll be covering tonight's episode that aired just now. Haven't watched it yet. Challenge first, of course. I am a historian after all. I wouldn't be cheating in that kind of way on the challenge next Saturday either on this year podcast, maybe Paige joins, or over there on Survivor, we are going to maybe be breaking down a little extra bonus Challenge Mania coverage from Challenge Mania Laugh this Saturday in my hometown, Chicago. 
not where I grew up, where I live now. It's my hometown now, Chicago. Love it. Shy City, the best city. Challenge Mania laugh this weekend. If anyone is going to that, that is listening to this now, hit me up on Instagram. Let me know. Let me know you're coming. Let's meet up there. So Survivor on Saturday, Ride or Dies Wednesday night. For the next couple weeks, Monday and Friday, rewatch, recap, mini series covering the first 20 seasons in depth. And then final thing, I bought the challenge book the Challenge Champion book, uh, all the interviews, and uh, I've started it. It's very fun. It's very good so far, but I've got a question for you. Um, I'm going to read the rest of the book. Obviously, I love books. I love the challenge. This is a match made in heaven. Of course, I was going to buy and read this, but should I do a recap of the book? Are any of you listening out there also have you bought? Are you reading? Do you like? Do you dislike? Any feelings or thoughts about the book? Hit me up on Instagram at Challenge Story and let me know should I get a little bonus episode out there sometime in the next couple of weeks recapping the new challenge book that is out. With that, that's all the programming notes. We're ready to go. Episode four, Ride or Dies, aka the one where Nelly T gets a win. Let's go. First things first, we got to hit our Cliff Notes recap, cover everything plot-wise that went down episode four of Ride Our Dies as fast as we can. Here we go. Three, two, one. We're off. Veronica and Darrell are here, and TJ is dropping stats on why they are both the legends that they are. We then head to the house where Olivia confronts Annalise and Tommy while teammate Horacio gets some challenge lessons and many hugs from bunkmate Laurel. Uh, Amber is now leading the rookie alliance, so says partner Chauncey, who is all about it. Then there's a bonfire that leads to Fessel and Colleen in bed, keeping Kim awake all night long. Nelson and Olivia in bed, keeping Michelle awake all night long. And Jordan and Tori in bed for old time's sake. What is going on? On. Next day, Nelson tells Jay he actively doesn't want to win a daily before. They all then get ready to go to a daily challenge, and guess what's about to happen? On the na- arrival, TJ announces he's got just what Darrell came for. Heights, 300 feet up, they'll be playing. Hold on for me. One partner hangs on a bar off the side of a building 300 feet up as long as they can hang on there. Before they drop, they tell their partner, run, jump, catch each other in midair, swing toward a flag, grab that flag to qualify your time in the running to win if you miss your dq the longest to hold on and then also grab the flag wins it's a tough going to start first two heats of three no one can get it six teams six dqs then in the third heat jordan and nisa switch it up as the first team to have the woman hold on and the guy jump it works they score the first flag they are in the lead after that some more near misses until it comes down to nelson and narice and olivia and horacio in the final round Nelson does the jumping, Nerese the holding, they get it, it's clearly longer than Jordan and Anissa, and Nelson has broken the streak and won a daily challenge. Back of the house, Nelson feels like a king because he is a king, and he and Nerese get to work making a plan for this power. At the bar, that plan comes into more focus as they talk to Horacio and Olivia about putting Olivia and Horacio in to make it more look like they're not working together, but also give them teams that will keep them safe so that everyone wins. Then comes deliberation, and Nelson and Nerese pick Olivia, Horacio, Tommy, Annalise, Darrell, Veronica, and Kim and Colleen to nominate. Interrogation ensues. Tommy and Annalise are told... 
kind of, pretty much, they're going in. They know this. And Doral, Veronica, and Colleen Kim are told, go make a deal with Olivia specifically. Off to the zone we go, where Tommy and Annalise get thrown in, as expected. Then Olivia and Horacio draw the safe dagger and have to pick, going with Darrell and Veronica to keep safe as well. Colleen and Kim face off against Tommy and Annalise in Flipping Wasted, where one partner lays on a board in the mud, while another partner uses a rope to lift that partner in the air, where they can solve a puzzle. Hold them up long enough to let them finish the puzzle and use win right when it starts kim has colleen in the air no problem he's just chilling tommy can't lift annalise at all colleen misses the puzzle a time or two but it doesn't matter annalise never gets out of the mud team germany are coming back to the house having barely broken a sweat and then tj feeling friendly allows them to go back does not bring anyone else into the game we finally move down one team at the end of the fourth episode to the storylines we go, and obviously there is only one place to start. We may as well, honestly, we could talk about one single person, one single thing, and we'd pretty much have recapped the whole dang episode, because while a good amount goes down, as we just covered on the Cliff Notes recap, and there's a lot of fun to be had, this episode is about one man, one streak, and one win, and that is Nelson. Nelly T does it. He breaks the streak 54 straight times. He couldn't get it done. And on the 55th, or was this the 54th? It was very unclear. 53 in a row, 54th he won. I believe that is the final number at Challenge Stats, Instagram, Reddit, anywhere else to get your official, official numbers. That's always where the most official of the official numbers comes from. But he breaks the streak. He finally can get these producers off his back, the rest of the, the rest of the competitors off his back, all of us out there on social media off of his back, everyone off his back. And it all starts, it's it's very they they shouldn't have done this. This the, the editing, as we as I mentioned from time to time, the editing sometimes can be extremely obvious, and there's no way around it. If you're gonna do a 90-minute episode and someone hasn't really been featured that season and they're about to go home or about to win for the first time, obviously they're gonna be featured. There's no way around giving some clues in the first segment of the show of who is going to be prominent in that episode storyline. I know there's no way around it, but what there is a way around is right before they go to the daily challenge, when in the first three episodes you have asked the man straight up with producers asking him in the moment right before the daily, hey, when's the last time you won? You've made it a storyline. It's pretty clear you're going to have the payoff to that storyline when beforehand we get Jay and Nelson breakfast the day of the daily challenge. Nelson telling Jay that he actually doesn't want to win because picking four teams would be really hard in any game and especially this particular one for him with where he and his partner's allegiances lie. And in that moment, you know this guy's about to get that W, baby. So, they get to the daily. Norris comes up with the plan. as I, Well, at least she says so in the confessional. And guess what? I totally believe her that she was the one who goes to Nelson, taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, it seems like maybe it'd be a good idea if we swap places. Everyone else is kind of doing the girl or the girl running, the guy hanging thing. Maybe we switch it around. Maybe we have some success. And then they see, they get the benefit of seeing Jordan and Anissa do that swap and it works, and they get the flag, and they're the only one through nine people to have done it. So when, after 11 people have gone and still only one, Nelson and Norris come up, and they go with that strategy, and it works, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and it's so much fun, and even though it was totally telegraphed and totally obvious that it was about to happen, although 
that in the exact moment, it was obvious they were about to get the flag. It was not so obvious, and I did really get excited for then when Olivia and Horacio were the last ones standing, like, oh my gosh, if they get it, they're going to ruin this whole moment, but it's also going to be its own kind of big moment. So I did have some suspense, but not that they were going to get the flag. And quick break, because nowhere else are we really going to talk about this daily challenge. I've got to say, I'm a little disappointed in a couple of my vets here. Mostly, the two I'm most disappointed with, Darrell and Veronica and Banana and Nani's. Darrell and Veronica, now they had to go in the first heat. I get that. You never want to be the first ones. You don't get to see how hard it is, how hard it works. But I think they knew, um, and Veronica's very open about, like, I'm not good at jumping. Great. Uh, I think you knew how that was going to go, how that jump was going to go, that that wasn't going to work out. So maybe their thought process was like, Maybe it was, you know, Veronica's not going to hold me and like both of them up for enough time to get to the flag either. So this was their best case chance. I don't know, but I thought they would be ones to switch. And the ones I'm really disappointed in are Bananas and Nani, who at least are the ones we get the nice little moment with Nani where they're like, you know, we're acting calm like everyone else is freaking out. We've done this so many times. This is no problem. We're such good partners. Look at us, Banani. We're great, which they are, but... I really thought they would have, and especially Bananas, with the 20-plus seasons under his belt, would have been one of the first ones to look at this and say, we're going to do this slightly differently than everyone else. I weigh more. I can run a little bit faster, jump a little bit further, create a little more momentum. I should be the one jumping. You can hold me. You can hold on to that long enough, longer than any of these girls, probably. So I'm a little disappointed they didn't go there. Tangent done. Back to Nelson and Nerese. So they get it done. The producers finally have to get off their back. Everyone knows the numbers, which is crazy. Devin's yelling it out as it happens. TJ afterwards saying it loud and proud. Incredible stuff. And let's just, before we move on to what they do with this power, we got to talk about this streak. No one else will ever come anywhere close. I know I've said this before, but let's just break this down one more time. 54 dailies in a row. Doesn't win. No one will ever even get to half of that number. I would be surprised, honestly. Like, I guess half is a good is a good over under. If we were to say, will anyone ever even get to half? Will anyone ever go 27 dailies in a row without winning? That seems doable. And the reason I say this is because you might think to yourself, Jacob, what are you what are you talking about? It's not that easy to lose. Like, we're not talking like winning over and over, a winning streak. We're talking about a consecutive loss streak. And the reason it's amazing as it is is because no one else will ever get the opportunity to do 54 daily challenges in a row without winning. You have to be a part of, you know, most seasons, maybe there's 10 daily challenges in a season, 12 to 15. If we're going like crazy, the, you know, a couple the double agents, spies, lies, and allies. I guess I just named the most recent season. So maybe this season we'll have just as many, but even if we go on the long end and we're like, they're pumping out 18 episode seasons, 16 episode seasons, whatever. And they're doing 15 daily challenges. You still would have to do four straight You'd have to do three challenges plus full challenges where you make it to the final plus then another nine dailies in the next one. That's if you did 15 every single time and you couldn't win any of them and you have to get invited back. And that is the part that is the tricky part. The fact that you've never won a daily like this, he's not never won. He won originally early in his challenge career. He hasn't won in 54 times to never be a winner in that way. And then also 
not get eliminated that early so you're still around for enough episodes and daily challenges a season and then get invited back a season after season to rack up 54 dailies. I mean, it's not that long of a list. I didn't pull it up in front of me. Maybe I'll give a quick update on Instagram or a next week's episode, but it's not even that big of a list of how many people get to do 54 dailies in their challenge career, okay? Like, it can take five, six, seven, eight seasons to get to 54 daily challenges if you're not sticking around to the very end of every season for your first three or four. So it's incredible. No one will ever touch it. I doubt anyone will even really flirt with getting half of it at 27. It's insane. Hats off to Nelly T. Nelson's just the best. So let's keep talking about him. He's drunk with power, except in the right way. Normally, if someone says someone's drunk with power, you're like, Ugh, I don't, that's not a necessarily good. It kind of has a negative connotation to it. I mean it in purely positive ways, if that's even possible, because Nelson is clearly loving the power that he has, the attention that he's getting, all of it, as he should, because he has so much fun with it. He's on top of the world, and Nelly T on top of the world is great entertainment. Plus, we get the spotlight on Narice. Not for the first time this season. We've got a decent amount of Nerese for a rookie so far this season through the first couple episodes, thanks to the love triangle, which, by the way, also, shout out Nerese. Been spilling the tea after every single one of these episodes in big time tea that it has been because we found out the whole love triangle thing last week. This is another tangent, but I'm sorry. I just thought of it. I have to bring it up right here now so I don't forget. She let it be known that there was a major fight that went down between her and Raven. I believe it was her and Raven. And that that fight among, you know, not like any, no one was like hitting anyone or whatever, you know, verbal argument, chesty, getting in each other's faces type of arguments, you know, typical challenge fair, but typical good entertainment for us as an audience. Uh, was happening and not being shown. And that was one of multiple different either arguments or altercations or beefs or just, you know, strategy mishaps or whatever that have already taken place in in the time of the show or in what we've seen without us having gotten to seen. I did not say that correctly, but I think you understand what I'm saying. It happened and they didn't show it to us. Um, and they're not going to show it to us because it already happened with people that are now eliminated. Um, so if you want the tea, be following Narice on Instagram, um, and I believe, I don't remember which of the many different, you know, challenge fan spoiler e type accounts. Uh, it's not one of the spoiler ones. It was one of the fan ones. I believe it was Challenge T on Instagram posted, uh, not on Instagram, I think it was on Twitter. If you go to Twitter, Challenge T 811 or whatever their that handle is, they, uh, they had like screen grabbed and reposted three or four of Narisa's lives after episodes with a bunch of the drama behind the scenes stuff that we didn't get to see. So while that's obviously not still up on her, you know, Instagram stories, you can find it there on some of those fan accounts. That tangent also now over. So spotlight on Narice. That's fun. She's awesome. Love her spotlight on Nelly T always love that. Nelson basically tells Narice how it's got to be. She accepts smart move. Nelson is smart enough then this is the one smart movie makes. I'm about to take some credit away from Nelson that this episode and some of the other cast members try to give him, but this is the moment that he does deserve credit for. Their first conversation once in power, or at least the one that we see, but clearly happens right away when they get back to the house, is with Olivia and Horacio. Olivia, who Nelson has now been hooking up with and keeping Michelle up all night long with what's going on in Olivia and Nelson's bed across the room. More on that later, but the two of them, 
they're getting along great. They've been hooking up a little bit. Norris and Olivia are besties in the house. Nelson and Norris go to her first and let her know. And the smart thing Nelson does is he leads the whole conversation. He sugarcoats it, but he makes sure that sugarcoating has a clear message underneath. Hey, we need to say your name. It's going to look bad if we don't say your name. And if we don't say your name, numbers-wise, we then have to say one of the vet's names. And then I am immediately on the bottom of the vets list or on the top target on the rookie side that we now just seemingly join. So we've got to say your name. And then Olivia is the one that devises the big master plan. Now, everyone else eventually, you know, says that it's Nelson's plan. And, you know, this is all kind of, you know, you got to remember the edited confessionals and the fact that in those confessional boots, the producers are asking leading questions. Think back to Challenge USA if you watch. And it's like, Danny keeps saying Kiki's name every single time. Well, yes, the producers are asking him. They're driving him towards, hey, what would Kiki think? What would Kiki do? Same thing's happening here. They're asking them, each one of them, like about Nelson's move. They're kind of goading them into saying some of this, or at least that's my impression. I think Olivia, next episode, everyone is going to come back to being honest and saying yeah, that was Olivia's plan, and uh, we don't actually, as Jordan says, uh, Nelson has climbed the mastermind ladder rather quickly. I don't know that that's the case, but he is playing very smart. He's just not playing like genius level, whatever, you know, stuff we've never seen, but he is playing very, very smart, so don't take that as as me, you know, dogging my guy Nelson or nothing. He's playing incredibly smart. It's just they try to make it out to be some genius level thing. And it's like, well, Olivia is actually the driver behind all this. And I think she will, uh, the editing kind of wanted it to lean one way this week. And I think she's eventually going to get her shine also because Nelson and Reese were super obvious in the deal-making in the telling of Darrell and Veronica, like, no, don't, don't Darrell actually don't talk to Horacio. You're going to want to talk to Olivia specifically about this one. Like, yeah, who, who clearly who you're working with. Okay. Got it. And then when Nelson just goes bonkers, when they pull the safe dagger and it's like, dude, you got to calm down. If you, you haven't executed the length of this, of this maneuver yet, this chess move ain't over yet. There's more moves to be played and everything. And just, it's, it's very obvious what's going on here. So while it's the smart move, while it's brilliant, while it's well played, it's well executed, they get the result that they want. I think everyone else, even if they didn't want to say it outright quite yet, clearly tongue-in-cheek was, you know, they're hiding the fact that, like, we all see what's happening here, and it's great. Good job by him making smart moves and her as a rookie, reading the game right and doing great stuff. I don't think this, though, affects at all the final thing here on Nelson and Reese. I don't think everything that happens here, it's great they get this huge moment. I love it. It's very entertaining. I love Nelly T so, so much, and I think he probably has one of the highest, if not not the highest approval rating of current challengers, uh, though he's way up there as far as approval ratings. I doubt anyone listening right now, if you're out there and you're like, actually, I despise Nelson, please let me know and try to give me some reasons why, because I don't believe that anyone like that exists. But I also don't think that Nelson and Norese did anything to gain themselves favor in the Vet Alliance. I still believe they are at the pure bottom of the Vet Alliance, which right now I would say consists of Bananas and Nani, Casey and Kenny, Tori and Devin, Laurel and Jack, Jordan and Anissa, Fessel and Mariah, and maybe eventually Darrell and Veronica, Who, but at least there was some indication that maybe those two, you know, it's not like Darrell and Bananas are best buds or Veronica and Nani are best buds or 
either of them have any ties to Tory or Jordan or uh, Jordan or Devin for that matter, or Laurel even really for that matter. So maybe they're on the outs, but even without them, that's six teams out of the 12 that are now left. So I think Nelson and Nerys are at the bottom of that list. Is it better to be at the bottom of that versus the top target of that list? Yeah, possibly, but either way, uh, you know, you're probably going to be, if one of them wins, you're one of the vet rookie pairs that's quickly going down into the sand and drawing daggers. Next up, we've got to talk about it. I'm going to make it really quick. The elimination, pretty tough to watch. Pretty tough to watch. And look, sometimes you get dealt something you can't do in the challenge, in any of these style of games. Sometimes you just, something gets put in front of you, you can't do, and it sucks. And then not only do you have to live through that moment of getting eliminated, of not being able to do the thing, but now, whatever, three, four months later, whatever the hell it is, you got to watch that shit back on television, and I can't imagine what that feels like. So shout out to Tommy for clearly being awesome, a real boost of energy to the house, super fun. That was obviously everyone loved him for good reason. He clearly was super fun to have around in the house. I liked everything we got from Tommy. He's clearly awesome, but better luck next time. Better draw next time, my friend. Um, And to Annalise, uh, also, I enjoyed Annalise this season. I would have no qualms with her coming back again. Really, really, really tough to be just put in an elimination where you actively don't get to compete and your your partner is the sole reason. She handles it with pure class, great friendship. You could tell these two are actual ride or dies, by the way. She reacts to all this. So hats off to both of them, but this is the bed that you made. It wasn't a hundred percent so much that you went back on a deal the week before. Where you really did yourself wrong is if you're going to go back on a deal, it can't be at the stage of the game it was when there's only so many rookie teams riding with rookies and you're going back on the deal with one of those rookie rookie teams against one of those rookie rookie teams and then one of them, a different rookie rookie team is also going home and now you've just depleted your numbers completely because someone you were somewhat aligned with in that rookie alliance, if it existed, is going home that night. And one of the other ones is now the one that stayed, the one that won it is the one you backstabbed. So they're also off your side. And the rest of the house and the other even rookie teams that maybe were working with you before or some of the vets that were maybe thinking about working with you were all like, no, we can't we can't now you already were an easy scapegoat because you're a rookie rookie pair and you're you know a little smaller than the rest of us now we throw on that you actively lied and got called out in front of everyone like this is a layup no one in power would be anyone in power this week it couldn't matter any single team could have won the daily challenge and they were putting those two in for sure no matter what there has never been an easier decision for a team in power to make as far as who to put in there Better draw next time if we see them again. I liked both of them. I feel horrible that this is how it went down. But also, real quick, since we're talking about the elimination, that puzzle kind of looked a little tricky. I want to go back and get some freeze frames and really look at, like, the first couple times Colleen does a check, like, it does look mostly right, the quick glimpses we get. I got to go back and really look at it. But I'm thrilled that Kim got to show off a bit. I'm thrilled that we're getting a lot of Kim in this episode This guy's got incredible personality, incredible charisma, and I loved everything from this episode, and I look forward to getting more and more. 
he's just chilling in this. He got to just show off, be like, huh, no problem here. This reminded me a lot of because of the now I don't I don't want to compare these two people knowing how I feel so far about this person and feel for a long time about the person I'm about to say, and especially how a lot of you might feel about this, but I did, it had some slight reminiscing just of the pure physical performance aspect because of the thing they were doing, but on X's 2, I believe, yeah, it had to be X's 2 because he was a rookie after X's 1, but Zach and Jordan were two of the people who on X's 2, they had a challenge where one person had to hold up a super heavy uh, like board with using a rope to pull it to reveal a memory puzzle, and then they ran up to the top of the hill. And I believe Zach and Amanda end up losing that whole one because they didn't work well together to be kind to everyone involved in that. But those two, Zach especially, could just hold it up and no one else could like hold it for more than a couple seconds. And Zach was just like, this isn't a problem. I can hold this up as long as you need to. That just that specific thing reminded me in this moment of it, of Kim just being like, this is really not difficult. This is all I have to do. And it, and he has the reverse of what Annalise is feeling. Annalise is like, I don't even get to do this. And Kim's like, I don't even get to do anything. This is just whether Colleen can do a puzzle. This sucks. Like, I want to actually be a part of this because it's so easy. I love Team Germany getting their time to shine. And there is a slight bit of bittersweet, though, because... This was supposed to be Nam. Nam was supposed to be the German challenge player that we all love, that we all fell in love with. And it just, I fell in love with him. I'm still in love with him, but it just never got to happen. So our next round of amazing German competitors, thankfully, they're getting some room to shine and shining they are doing. Final storyline topic before we dive into awards, and this is just a, a little list of quick hitting items. No big overarching stories. The the only story of the episode was Nelson won the Daily Challenge and the move he and Olivia and Narice and Horacio pulled thereafter, which we've covered in detail. But a couple quick hitting things. Number one of four. Tori and Jordan are in bed together? What is... What? Did not see this one coming. Uh... It actually kind of totally makes sense to me, um, but I did not see it coming at all. I'm sure we're going to get more on it at a later point um, if it happens again or just how I'm sure we're we're obviously not done with the Tori and Jordan are in this challenge house together uh, storyline for this season. But uh got to say, was a little bit shocked, uh, certainly, and especially the way they really good job by the editing this time around, how they just they just sneak that little seed in there, and they're like, oh, we're doing this big production about Fessel and Colleen and Kim's, you know, being stuck up all night and being funny about it in confessional, and then Michelle's being funny about Narice, or excuse me, Nelson and Olivia, keeping her up all night, and then boom, whoa, uh, wait, what was that? What did you just say, Tori and Jordan? Oh, oh wow, okay. Bet we're going to get more on that in the future. Second of four items. Bananas, a.k.a. Mr. Save-A-Show or Captain Save-A-Show, whatever the moniker he gave himself going into this season. Um, is uh, Johnny Bananas out here using the CT playbook? Because 
we're not getting much bananas. And I said last week, one of my predictions coming into this week, which, spoiler alert, I do give myself credit for. We'll talk about why later, but it's I'm, I'm being a very lenient grader there by giving myself credit. I said that he would do something, anything to grab some attention and camera time, and especially Captain Save a Show. You got to. It seems like he's using the CT playbook because... Yeah, it might just be that like he's not fighting, he's not fucking, and he hasn't won, he isn't winning anything, so not a lot of interest, no storylines, whatever. But even when those things aren't happening in the past, bananas finds a way to be involved somehow, some way, and uh, we got very little of him this episode. We got very little of him last episode. Checking the notes here, three confessionals this time, three confessionals last week. That's not nothing. Plenty of people have one or two or. If you're Kenny, you don't show up at all. More on that in a moment. But Bananas, Captain Save Show, seems to be using the CT playbook. Hey, what if we just sit back and relax? What if everyone, you know, they have a little bit of fear of us because I won so many times and my partner's really good and we're both the OGs here, whatever. But also, what if we just, we don't piss anyone off. I don't try to hook up with all the rookie women because I'm single this time around. I don't, I don't do anything. I go to my enemies in the house like a Devin and say, hey, you're not so bad. What if we... What if we got along? What if we worked together? And what if I uh, didn't didn't try to keep all the cameras pointed at me at all times? Seems like CT playbook to me. Item number three, just mentioned it. We'll do so again. Slight more elaboration this time. Kenny, apple doesn't fall far from the tree in the Clark household. I don't think that's exactly how that expression works because Casey and Kenny are brother and sister, not uh, uh, a, a parent child situation, but I think it still almost kind of works. What I'm trying to say is Kenny couldn't be more like his sister Casey because those two are for sure related. We don't need to see birth certificates. We don't need to see nothing. We we know we didn't even need to be told that they were related. We could have just been told they were partners on this season. And guess what? Through four episodes, the combined nine confessionals between the two of them would have told us everything we needed to know to know that Kenny and Casey are brother and sister and just incredible wallpaper. Uh, it is it is the knock on Casey, um, not the knock on her game because there is no knocks on her game to knock, um, but the knock on her as a cast member and why I think... Um, I sometimes get in trouble speaking for the larger audience, but I think I take a good pulse of the audience. And even if I disagree uh, or agree fervently, I can usually kind of read what's going down on social media, Reddit, other podcasts, everywhere out there. And I think the consensus is, Casey, incredible wallpaper, hell of a competitor. We don't hear anything from her other than when she's winning daily challenges. Last season, I joked, like, you're dating Nani. You are dating Nani. That is a that is a place in challenge history where you get all the screen time, all the storylines. Like that is the challenge sweetheart. That's the woman we all love and we're all rooting for. And you're dating her. And we get one scene of a, a very cute, a very wonderful, a very heartwarming, amazing date. But like that's all we got. Until then, they had to eliminate each other in the finals. Um, that also. But Kenny and Casey. Peas in a pod there. I still like Casey, by the way. I think I should say this. I still like Casey a lot and think that if she wanted to, she could be a fascinating and interesting cast member on this show because I think she's a fascinating, interesting, and really cool, badass person. But 
I think she's just so all business. I'm just going to go win. And clearly, one, it's working for her, and it's working to get her invited back. If you make final after final and you never don't make the final, it's hard not to invite you back just to keep the competitive level in the house up, even if you're not really offering almost anything else. So here's to hoping Casey and Nani celebrate an anniversary or something during the season so we can at least get like a good date night or something out of them. Fourth and final quick hitter. They haven't been that quick. This one will be super quick. New new segment to introduce to the podcast every week. This is called Maximum Fun. What this is, this idea is every week, outside of the predictions at the end of the podcast, during the storylines, I just want to quickly think, look ahead, do a little look ahead the way they do the next week on at the end of the episode, at the end of the storyline segment. I want to do a little look ahead myself and say, which team winning the next daily challenge would create the maximum amount of fun for us, the fans? So maximum fun, I'm going with next week, the team that would win the daily challenge that would create the best episode, the best drama, the most interesting, intriguing strategy, gameplay, storylines. I'm going with Chancy, Chauncey and Amber. I apologize for mispronouncing that name. I'm too excited. I kind of tried to combine their names there. Amber and Chauncey, they would be the biggest wrench in the game. And wrenches in the game are fun, so they are the maximum fun pick for next week. Time to give out some awards, three awards as always. Best quote, moment, episode MVP, best quote award. Look, there's obviously a clear winner of this, but even with a clear winner, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and go through the nominees because the nominees deserve to be nominated, but there's a clear winner. Let's start with Colleen. Uh, speaking on all of the compliments that Fessel gives her. Thank you, Fessel. It's so hard to build a deep connection to the veterans, but... I really like Fessy. He makes a lot of compliments. He said, I'm wifey type. <laughs> now, that may just be me loving the term husband material or wife material, but, uh, and then her through the German, you know, added on top of it, the wifey type. I just, I just loved it. And obviously, Team Fessy over here. So, Fessel, Colleen, I ship everything about what's going down in these episodes at my own demise. Then we got Nelson, the first of two nominees for him, and he's just going on and on about being in love. I love love, and love loves me, and I probably found love in this house again, (laughs) a.k.a. Olivia. I definitely think she thinks I'm sexy you know she can't deny the smile won't be the last we hear from him in this award or all of the awards for that matter then we got jordan talking about getting to do the jump in the daily challenge and all the crazy things that they get to do and what it makes them feel like ready the only thing we're worried about is getting the flag i don't care how long our hang is i'm waiting and i'm waiting and there it is the look which means Jordan, run. This is like a day when you get to be an action hero. I literally get to be Tom Cruise. You know challenge producers were dying for 
the Top Gun Maverick, you know, promo again. I believe we did that last season, right? That, that was the thing we did last season, and then the movie, like, didn't come out again quite yet. Anyways, let's move on. Then we got Tori speaking on Nelson winning the Daily Challenge in a very, I'm going to say, very accurate this is a monumental moment for Nelly T because finally winning a challenge after this many seasons, I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> Not impressive, important. He needed this. Great catch by her. We'll skip over the next nominee because it's the winner. We'll come back to it. The final nominee that doesn't win is Kim, who during the elimination, as we said before, just chilling, just hanging out, and he wonders, is there more to it? Is this all? There's nothing more I should do. Should I dance? Should I clap? Should I step? All worthwhile nominees, but it's got to go to Nelson. Not the one we played before, but this one. Nelly T, you won a daily challenge. How are you feeling? This is a different feeling for me. I have power. I've never felt like this before. I feel like the president. <laughs> I'm not going to like a king right now but do you want this power because with power comes great responsibility and i'm not a very responsible guy at least the man is honest i'm not a very responsible guy i mean that quote is basically like four quotes in a row and it just gets better each time he adds a little more to the end he could have just stopped that i feel like the president and you're like ha amazing you should that's a great and that's a what a wonderful thing to say and then he's like wait i feel like the king and you're like oh my god this is incredible then he's like wait let me get that spider-man in there power comes with great responsibility and you're like nelson oh just stop you're just you're just insane this is unbelievable you're so good at this and then he's like wait 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 wait, wait. i got one more part i'm not a very responsible guy and it's just like ah, oh, it's just so much what a king nelson's the best nelson wins the best quote and guess what best moment we don't even have to talk about it. yes Actually, we do, because there's two nominees. The one that wins, obviously, Nelson winning the Daily Challenge and Narice winning the Daily Challenge. Shout out, Narice Again, thank you for spilling all that tea. Can't wait to check out your Instagram stories after I'm done recording and editing and posting this podcast. But Nelson winning the Daily Challenge. I think she can accept that there, you know, that that was the big deal of both of them winning is Nelson won. That's the best moment of the episode. The whole them actually winning in the immediate aftermath, the, the cliffhanger of like, wait, what if Olivia and Horacio get this? Devin yelling out the number, them celebrating TJ saying the number, everything about it, all of it. That That's the best moment. But the other nominee has to be the post bonfire hookup montage, mainly Kim and Michelle's reactions to all of the goings on in their room that night. Kim specifically, Michelle's are great. Her confessionals are fantastic about it. Kim's in the editing of how they put in Kim's just, you know, first the not saying anything, just the kind of rolling of the eyes, the, the grabbing of the forehead, whatever. And then the, you know, just everything he says about it, just all of that. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic bonfires. Uh, you know, they lead to good things. It seems like in the challenge house, we've had some really fiery, big arguments by a challenge bonfire in a couple seasons past. We've had a lot of hookups come out of bonfire hangs. We've had some really emotional, hard hitting stories and backgrounds on people come to the spotlight, like on, you know, challenge USA, when we found out the whole backstory to Ben and his friend recently, that was at a bonfire around the bonfire, I believe bonfires in the challenge house. Good addition. If it's going to be a colder weather season, get yourself a bonfire. Now, 
that's a Nelson two for two on the awards, the third and final award, the episode MVP. Who do you think is going to win? Come on. Who do you, who do you think is going to win? Obviously Nelson wins, but quick shout outs again. This is just Nelson wins the awards, but let's give shout outs for the other nominees. Four other people at least make the ballot. One of them sneaky, Jordan. Jordan would come in fifth in this episode, but he makes the MVP ballot. He's kind of secretly doing a lot. In the one, he and Anissa are the only other team to get the flag. That's very fun and very impressive for them. He's doing a lot as a partner to like be a good partner and hype up Anissa, and she's giving it all back. And I actually really kind of like it. If someone said they were super annoyed by it, I'd be like, I see it. I just like them a lot, so it's fine, and I'm okay with it for now, and I think probably forever. Um, But he's fitting in a lot in the confessionals. We get the Jordan and Tori in bed, so I'm sure we're going to get more of that later on. And, you know, he's just finding a way to be involved, which is the mark of a really great challenge cast member. Then you got Colleen. Obviously, she gets the puzzle at the end. That's great. She has some great confessionals. Her and Fessel getting super cozy after the bonfire. Lots of good stuff going on with her. Kim, my guy, Kim. I had such high hopes for Kim and Colleen, and I'm so glad they're starting to be realized in this episode. Everything he does, great. And then Olivia in, you know, a closer than it deserves to be second because no one is anywhere near Nelson in this episode getting to be the MVP. But Olivia if not for Nelson breaking this historic streak, Olivia puts on an incredible performance and is in the running, if not arguably, probably is the MVP of the whole season through four episodes. So, uh, you know, that's pretty incredible stuff right there. But Nellie T sweeps the awards, the quote, the moment, and the MVP. Finally, let's talk power rankings and predictions. On the power rankings front, For the first time all season, we drop down a team. Every episode so far, we've, you know, even if we've lost a team to COVID or DQ or whatever, we lost a team in an elimination, there was TJ to bring in one or even two more teams to make up for them. But finally, we've actually gone from 13 to 12. So we're down to just 12 to rank in the power rankings. We'll go bottom to top, excuse me, bottom to top. And it pains me to say it because I love them so dearly and they've meant so much to my challenge fandom and really my life at this point. We've spent two decades plus with these people, but Darrell and Veronica are in last place. They clearly don't seem to have any ties. Maybe they can be the super OGs leading the rookies against the rest of the vets. That would be quite the cool and interesting storyline, but... I don't know where their alliances are. I don't know that they're going to fare all that well in some of the challenges or if they end up in elimination and certainly probably not a final either. I see no reason to not. They were in 11th. Now they're in 12th. Casey and Kenny just above them. Not I, I just, you know, this is kind of where they've been. They've slowly fallen back from 8th to 10th to 11th. Colleen and Kim move up from 12th to 10th. Jay and Michelle stay in at 9th. Nelson and Nari stay at 8th. Laurel and Jack are at 7th. Big, slight movers. Olivia and Horacio go from 5 to 6th. Jordan and Anissa move up to 5th. Amber and Chauncey, they're in 4th. Fessy and Mariah third, Nani Bananas second, Tori and Devin one. That top four does not change for the third week in a row. Tori and Devin, Nani Bananas, Fessy, Mariah, Amber, and Chauncey. I think almost without a doubt, one of those four teams is winning. You could make an argument. If you told me Olivia and Horacio won the whole thing, I would be pretty stunned, but I would also be like, okay, they at least got the goods to do it. I don't think they can, they're going to pull it off. That would be an incredible feat, but they at least got the goods 
those top four teams, I feel very set on the rest of it. You can mix and match, and uh, depending what the challenge is that day, who's feeling what, it, uh, it it could go anyway. But to recap, Tori and Devin, Nani Bananas 2, 3rd, Fessy and Mariah, 4th, Amber and Chauncey, 5th, Anissa and Jordan, 6th, Olivia and Horacio, Laurel and Jack, 7, Nelsie and Norris, 8, Jay and Michelle, 9, Colleen and Kim, 10, Casey, Kenny, 11, Darrell, Veronica in 12th. As for predictions, clean slate still on the preseason predictions. Colleen and Kim come through, I thought, I didn't think for very long. It was pretty clear pretty quickly that they weren't going anywhere. But Bananas Nani, Michelle and Jay, Colleen, Kim, Tori and Devin, Chan, Amber and Chauncey, they, I predicted, would make the finals. And so far, so good. Tori and Devin predicted to win. So far, so good. And for the third week in a row, I go two for three on my next week's predictions. I said Laurel, Horacio, and Fessy and Colleen would both happen. I count all the hugging as happening, so I'm counting that. Said Fessel and Mariah would go back-to-back on the daily. Got that one wrong. And then the one I referenced earlier, I said Bananas would do something to get the camera's attention, which is very brief, but he did. He said something ludicrous that I give myself uh, credit for getting this one correctly. He said that on Nelson nominating Olivia, he said nominating someone that you're sleeping with is... Way worse than what he's willing to do. I think he said it was way past his pay grade or something like that. But he, he his, his paraphrasing, his intention was, hey, like, I've done some bad stuff, but I would never do that. And like, bro, he he's hooking up with a rookie, and but he still put her as one of the four teams out of 11 teams to pick from. He won or whatever. He put them in and then made sure they could stay safe. You would never do that, Johnny, ever. Nothing that bad, that bad. How horrible what it was Nelson did. Just, yeah, I think that counts as getting the camera's attention. So we've been two for three. Going into next week, while yes, maximum fun would say Amber and Chauncey win the daily. I'm not predicting that. I'm predicting Jay and Michelle win the daily. We see in the next week on swimming and canoeing is what the daily challenge is. Feels real survivor-y to me. I think both of those two people can swim and canoe a little bit. Jay and Michelle win the daily. Number two, someone not named Colleen will sleep in Fessel's bed. Number three, even split. Four vets, four rookies in deliberation. Of the four teams up for elimination, I think whatever the mixture of them is, it will be an even exact split. Four vets, four rookies. So that's one Colleen, someone not named Colleen will sleep in Fessel's bed is is prediction number two. And Jay and Michelle will win the daily is the third one. So with that, we've predicted, we've power ranked, we've awarded, we've talked at length. Thank you so much for being here and talking through it all with us. As always, if you want to get in touch, if you got feedback on this podcast, what could be done better, what is not going so well, whatever, feedback, you know how feedback works. I'm willing to take it. Please hit me up at Challenge Historian on Instagram, or if you just want to talk challenge, if you've got a great hot take, a great theory, something you've always wanted to just get off your chest and know you don't got a challenge fan in your life to listen to it or to hear your theory or to try to ask questions about it, that's what I'm here for. Would love to interact and chop it up about the challenge with you. So hit me up on Instagram, at Challenge Historian. And as always, wherever you may be listening, hit follow or subscribe. That helps us in a big way, and it helps you not miss any episode with my always-changing schedule 
schedule. You're, you know you're getting these Wednesday nights and you should always get something else every single week. But if you hit that follow subscribe button, it won't matter. You'll always know. You'll always get notified. It'll always pop up in your podcast feed. And if you don't mind, five-star ratings, those help too. So with that, I'll be back on Friday ranking the first 20 seasons in challenge history in exact order, one through 20. And again, just because you took notes during the rewatch series doesn't mean you know this order. Some things have changed. The more that we get to look back at a group of them, the more I can properly make sure, hey, did I get that right? Did I get this wrong? Fix it all up. So Friday, we got that coming for you. Survivor on Saturday, back next week with the best of limbs, daily challenges of the first 20 seasons, and ride or dies recaps. And maybe a book recap coming here soon. And Challenge Mania Laugh Chicago recap. We got so much to talk about. So hit follow, hit subscribe. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. Talk to you soon. Peace.